Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pickle Park, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre Gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies call them Padre Gang. Yeah, they. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 169 of the Talking Ferraris podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. This episode is brought to you by Gagler and Bro's Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries, located inside Petco Park, so you can go to that stand. They have multiple stands inside Petco. You can go to them during tonight's game, during this homestand. I'm going to a few games this homestand. They also have a couple locations outside Petco Park, Mission Gorge, and Point Loma as well. Um, all right, today's topic. You can visit gaglonbros.com, by the way, uh, to view their entire menu, their addresses, the phone numbers, all that good stuff. Um, the topic today is grading the Padres first quarter of their 2022 season. Um, we're 41 games in. The Padres right now are 27 and 14. And so as people get into the chat here and all that, I want to ask a main question that can help guide everyone's grades on how they would grade the first quarter of the season. And that is, if I were to tell you going into the season that after 41 games without Fernando Tatis Jr., would you be happy with the Padres being 27 and 14? And my answer would be an emphatic yes. Easily yes. And so that's why my initial grade of the San Diego Padres' first 25% of their season is an A-. minus. It's in that A category. Now, are there going to be things that I can talk about here with this team that I will get into? Um, we, can, we can start off with the negative before getting to the positive because there's more positive than negative. Were there some things that didn't go great, maybe didn't go as planned, stuff like that? Of course. You know, Clev's gotten hurt. He started the year on the IL. Snell started the year on the IL after not making that first start when he got hurt warming up, and then he wasn't great in his first start of the season last time out in Philadelphia, right? That, didn't, that hasn't worked out great. Luke Voigt, that trade has not worked out great so far this season for the Padres. 
What other stuff? The bullpen's been shaky a little bit, right? Robert Suarez, Luis Garcia as of late. Yeah, Suarez can throw 100, but he can give up some home runs sometimes, can be wild. Same with Garcia, as we saw over the weekend with both of those guys in that San Francisco series. Um, But those are like the main struggles, right? Yeah, is the offense, Trent Grisham, he's another guy. Jake Cronor, slow start. Okay. But a lot of these things that I'm talking about, I feel like I'm really nitpicking. And to make it simple and say, hey, what grade would you give the Padres 25% of the way through their season? Just look at their record and look at them being without their best player. And that's an A for me. I put it at an A- minus for the things that I just laid out, right? I mean, like Luke Voigt right now, right? That, that doesn't seem like the greatest deal. But then you can counteract that with Eric Hosmer hitting like it's 2015, right? You can counteract that Voigt move with Robinson Cano from what we've seen being a, a pretty pleasant bench bat, you know, someone that can get some DH at bats, right? So with the, po- or with the negative comes positives. Um, you know, with Voigt, I feel like, you know, at some point he's going to get it going, but I think he's going to start getting it going if he changes his approach and just a little bit, try the toe tap. I tried to say this so many, so many times already, just try doing the toe tap and see what happens with those two strikes instead of having that huge leg kick, right? And pitchers will continue to throw him breaking balls. So until he hits the breaking balls, once he starts having a little bit more success with those pitches, I think then you'll see pitchers go back to the fastball a little bit. And we know that Voigt can hit the fastball. So once that happens and you get more fastballs, then you'll be seeing those home runs and you'll be seeing that power. But right now, yeah, that's one. That's part of the reason why it's at an A minus instead of an A, right? He's hitting 184. It doesn't seem like the best deal right now for the Padres, right? And Justin Lang could have impacted the team years down the road. But I think it's not really fair to judge Luke Voigt only on the first 25% of the season. Gil agrees with my grade A minus in the chat here, live here, anyone live. And on replay, let me know what grade you would give the Padres. Michael, hello. Tupac13, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Um, but as for, that, that's the negative, right? Voigt's a big negative. Grisham seems like a big negative. But then you have the positive, right? Jose Azokar, right? If Azokar is in there and Grisham's not, Azokar has gotten off to a pretty good start, I think, when he's playing. I think that, personally, he's having some good at-bats. It's kind of like the Profar at-bats. Is he going to hit for like 300, uh, 300 average? and hit 50 home runs? No, no. But he's putting together good at-bats. He's making a good amount of contact. Um, and I'm kind of interested to see how he would do if he got that consistent playing time. I don't know if he will, uh, just because Trent Grisham's the guy in front of him. And at the end of the day, Azokar made the roster as you know, a bench outfielder, really. It wasn't even clear if he was going to make the roster on opening day before the roster came out. 
Um, but I like the at-bats that I'm seeing out of him. So, like I mentioned earlier, when for all the negatives, right, all the negatives that I'm, I've been talking about right now, and I'll get to the positives. There's positives to counteract those negatives. Um, you know, when the bullpen struggles, well, guess what? You have starting pitching that kept you in games, that has kept you in games the entire season so far, the first quarter of the season. Um, so, yeah, Tupac13 says A-. minus. Anyone that's just tuning in here, I'm asking, what would you grade the Padres? What grade would you give them the first 25% of the season, which is what we're at right now, going into tonight's game against the Brewers, uh, when the Padres open up this homestand uh, against Milwaukee and then Pittsburgh? What grade would you give the Padres at 27 and 14 without Fernando, without Drew Pomerantz, without Michelle Baez or Morahone or Jose Castillo or Austin Adams for the majority of this 41 game stretch, without Pierce Johnson for like the second half of it? Um, you know, having a rookie in Steven Wilson, not being with Bob Melvin for however many games that was and Ryan Christensen having to fill in, what would you give the Padres? And now, a big reason why I have my grade as an A- and in that A category is the positives, right? The offense, uh, mainly a couple guys in the offense, and you probably know who that is, the closer, Taylor Rogers. we'll get to him, and then the starting pitching. I wrote a piece on GaslampBall.com, which is available now, uh, with some observations of the first 41 games of the season. And some of those included Manny Machado, right? Having that MVP-type season. And that's pretty much where it starts and ends for the Padres right now, the first quarter of the way in the, into the season in terms of the positive you know, takeaways, right? And then you know, you, I mentioned Joe Musgrove and how he has that chip on his shoulder, and he is definitely going to get $20 million a year if he continues pitching the way he is in free agency or in a contract extension. Obviously, I hope that the contract extension is what is where he gets those twenty plus million dollars a year, and it's not in free agency. Because in free agency, Padres are going to have more competitors, and they're probably going to have to overpay for him. To be honest, uh, another thing that I said was the season-altering opening day trade, right, with Taylor Rogers acquiring him and Mark Melanson right now, who has a seven-five-three ERA with the Diamondbacks. And I'll admit it, I was wrong there. I thought that they should have brought Mark Melanson back. When you're, you only had to pay him $7 million a year, the way that he pitched last year, he seems like a guy that's durable. I, I like that move. I thought they should have brought him back. But they didn't. And right now, it seems like it's really, really paid off. Because that Taylor Rogers deal, my goodness, what a steal of a trade that is. I get that Taylor Rogers is a free agent at the end of the year, and Paddock and Pagan, they had control. But... Taylor Rogers, I mean, the guy has a .49 ERA right now. He leads the National League in saves with 16. You know, Pagan has a 2.13 ERA. Cool, that's good. That's not .49, I'll tell you that. And so without Taylor Rogers right now, the Padres would not have 27 wins. Without Joe Musgrove right now, the Padres would not have 27 wins. I don't think. He's won every game that he started. And he has not allowed three runs or more yet in a start. It's all been two or less. It's been shutouts. It's been six innings at least in every single start. He has not gone less than six innings. 
So it's quality start after quality start after quality start. And it's not just Joe Musgrove. It's the entire, pretty much the entire rotation. You know, Clev, he was starting to pitch good until he hit the IL, right? Manaya has had quality starts seemingly every time out. Darvish, it seems like that as well. And then Mackenzie Gore, he's had a really good start, I think, to his major league career. Just went three shutout innings out of the bullpen and then starting yesterday, got his ERA down to 2.06 in 35 innings. You know? He struck out 36 guys so far, and he has walked, or 38 guys, excuse me. Don't want to short him those two strikeouts. 38 strikeouts so far for McKenzie and 11 walks. Like, I'm definitely going to take that, you know? That's less than a third of the walks that he's had, you know, compared to his strikeouts. And just taking whatever role the team gives him. And so, yeah, like I mentioned before, yeah, it has Garcia and Suarez has been shaky a little bit. Wilson, that last Saturday game. But then Wilson came back out yesterday and pitched a scoreless inning. And you have Taylor Rogers there who can pitch five outs, four outs, if you absolutely need him to sometimes, right? Um, so for all the negatives, there's more positives. And that's a big reason why I'm putting an A- minus on, on this team right now. And credit, I see that in the chat there from Michael about Ruben Niebla getting credit for Gore's turnaround. Not just Gore's turnaround, but for pretty much the entire pitching staff. It seems like everybody is taking step forwards, almost everyone in the pitching staff, especially the rotation, right? Um, and then obviously Gore is the big guy because, frankly, we were lost with Mackenzie Gore. We had no idea what was going on with Mackenzie Gore. He was at the alternate site in 2020, then in 2021. He wasn't even getting out of innings at the minor league level because he was just walking too many guys, wasn't throwing enough strikes. He goes to AAA. He struggles so much there that they send him all the way back to Peoria. They didn't even send him down to AA or anything. They were like, no, we just got to scrap this. We have to start all the way over, just work at the Peoria Sports Complex and figure it out. And then they bring in Ruben Niebla, and before the lockout, they work on a few things. Uh, because they knew that they were gonna, the communication was gonna be shut off between Niebla and Gore, or the Padres as a whole and Gore, gave him some things to work on, and boom, this is what we're getting out of McKenzie, the guy that can go win the Rookie of the Year this year, you know. And so yeah, you got to give credit to Ruben for that too, but also give credit to McKenzie Gore. Obviously, he's the guy that put in the work, right? Ruben gave him some stuff, gave him some recommendations, I'm sure. But Gore's the one during the lockout that worked his butt off. You know, he's the one that's out there on the mound and pitching really well and starting to use his breaking pitches a little bit more, not solely relying on the fastball. Right. So you got to give credit all around there. Um, and then the starting rotation. Yeah, we covered that. And then with the offense, uh, you got to give praise to Jerks and Profar. He's second on the Padres right now in war so far this year. He's at 1.6, uh, Hosmer's at 1.4, Manny's at 3.1. We'll get to him, don't worry. Um, but, like, Cronenworth's been struggling, Grisham, you know, Profar hasn't done as great as of late, but you have Kim stepping up. You have Myers stepping up as of late, right? Hosmer's still hitting pretty well as of late. Nola is putting the ball into play. That's another positive that I haven't mentioned. Nola, situationally, has been doing really good, right? And 
he's staying healthy. As long as he stays healthy, I'll take what I can get offensively, to be honest. Like, I know we're going to look back at that trade, and that trade doesn't look great because Ty France is gone, and Andres Munoz is gone, and Taylor Trammell is gone. But Austin Nola is a really good catcher, I think, you know, as a catcher and, like, defensively and commanding a pitching staff and all that, communication-wise. Um, and he threw that runner out on one leg yesterday, right, to Hassan Kim. Like, um, I just think he's a good catcher overall, and you take what you can get offensively. You know you're going to get more than what you got out of Austin Hedges, right? So take what you can get. Alfaro is the guy that's going to bring the power when Nola's not playing. And right now, they're still getting the power from guys like Manny, guys like Haas, right? Cronenworth hit a home run over the weekend in San Francisco. So things are starting to turn around offensively, which I like. And then you can put in those guys that are have been pretty good situationally. Grisham with some bunts. Cronenworth uh, and Nola seem more like the contact guys, right? You insert those guys in the lineup in those situations, and that's where you can scratch out some more runs. And I want to get to Manny, obviously. That's a huge reason why it's a, a, why my grade is at an A- minus for Manny, or not for, for not for Manny, but for the Padres. For Manny, it's an A+. Uh, he has a 3-5 defensive war. He's not just doing it offensively. But as for Manny this season, I mean, going into the year, right, I think we all would agree, Manny had to have a good start to the season, or else the Padres definitely would not have 27 wins right now. Um, with Fernando out, Hosmer, you weren't projecting that he was going to do this good, right? And once May is over, don't worry, I'll compare the April and May stats from Hosmer. Like I said, I was going to do in April. I'll keep myself accountable to that. Um, and probably as the months go on during the season, but I would, I don't think we were counting that Haas was going to stay pretty hot past April, right? We weren't thinking that Profar was going to be MVP Rofar, like like I used to say. Um, you know, when he started those first few weeks out on a torrid hot start, um, you weren't putting those things into effect. And then, not just having Fernando out, but Cronenworth and Grisham, they're not producing as much as we would have hoped offensively, right? You had Myers go on the aisle, and you had Trace Thompson up here getting one hit in, like, 14 games or however many played, right? You have Jose Azokar getting some at-bats when he's a glove-first outfielder. So all of this, and the Padres are 27 wins because Manny's putting the offense, you know, on his back. He has the best batting average 41 games into the season in Padres history since Tony Gwynn did it in 1994. He obviously ended up hitting 394 before the strike. So just historic greatness for Manny Machado. I said this on episode 168 last night when I was reacting to the Giants-Padres series and the Padres sweeping the Giants, obviously. Manny's slugging percentage is 619 right now, which is my area code. So he's that's a, a fun stat. It's like he's just really dominating. He has a 1,065 OPS. He's clearly the MVP, so much so right now that even his haters and people that haven't really given that guy his respect in the past, 
they don't have any other option but to say that Manny is the MVP right now. They just don't. Just look at the numbers. He's played in all 41 of the games. At some point, I know that Atlanta game, he pinch hit. Uh, but he's appeared in all 41 games. He scored 33 runs. He's driven in almost as many, 27 runs. That leads the team. He's walked 20 times because pitchers don't want to face him. And he only has 10 more strikeouts than walks so far this year. He's batting 374, which is the best on the team. Haas is at 319. A 446 on base percentage, a 619 slugging percentage, a 1,000, baseball reference says 1,066, but I think it's 1,065 OPS. The league average OPS plus is 100. Manny's OPS plus is 214. So to put that in perspective, holy cow. He's been walked intentionally four times, getting the Barry Bonds treatment. I mean, this guy, and then the three-and-a-half defensive war, right? Uh, Fangraphs has that. So when you need a guy to step up because you have your best player hurt, and he does that and doesn't even just step up, he exceeds those expectations. I just can't say enough. It's like Musgrove. Can't say enough about how great he's been for the Padres this year. Just like Taylor Rogers, if Manny Machado was not on this team, where would this team be? Definitely not 27 wins. So he is a big part of the reason why I have this team in that A category. And he is he's definitely carrying the team right now. There's no doubt about it. All right. I have not gotten to the coaching staff part of it. I mean, I've touched on Ruben. Um, because... I'll talk about it for a few minutes here. We just don't really know how much impact this Padres coaching staff has had. It's had a positive one. There's no doubt about that. But we just don't know how big of an impact they've had because they're not the ones on the field, right? It seemed like they had a positive impact on Luke Voigt when he came back from El Paso earlier this month after not getting a hit there in nine games. He had like nine strikeouts in a row or something. Um, comes back to Petco, sees like 100 pitches or whatever with the coaching staff, and then later that ser- that next series when he's activated has that two-homer game, that Wednesday game against the Cubs. But then he has not continued that. So there's that, but you can't just judge the coaching staff just on that. You got to look at... Bob Melvin with Manny, right? Seems like they're always talking. Um, Ruben Diablo with the pitching staff, obviously. Gore is pitching really well. Martinez is still pitching well. Manaya is pitching well. Darvish is pitching well. Musgrove is pitching amazingly well. Taylor Rogers is pitching well. Steven Wilson, as a rookie, so far this year, the majority of the time, he's pitched well. So Ruben Niebla does definitely has an impact. And with Jerks and Profar, is some of the impact, like the great impact that he had earlier this year, is some of that credit misplaced? Like, should it go to Fernando Sr.? Because I've heard Profar talk about him and how he worked with Sr. in the offseason, I think. So should it go to him 
a little bit. I think so. Some of the credit. I think that some of the credit should also go to Michael Bordar, obviously. And with the co-staff, I think with Bob Melvin and maybe if it's Bordar allowing this as well and Ryan Flaherty, I think that some of the credit about Hosmer should go to them as well because Hosmer has had some quotes out there that has said that, hey, they're just allowing me to go back and play my game. They're not forcing this launch angle on me or anything like that. Are they going to make suggestions? Sure. Can I take them? Sure. Uh, but it's my choice. And I went into Bob's office. This is pretty much what Hosmer said, I think, during the season or before the season, slightly before, whenever he said it. I think it was to Kevin Acey saying, I went into Bob Melvin's office and Bomel assured me, hey, if it was up to me, despite all the trade talks and all that, I want you here. I think you can really help this team. And that gave Haas a lot of confidence. And I think he's playing more relaxed. So I think a lot of credit needs to go to the coaching staff as well. So that's part of why this team deserves at least an A-. And that's what I'm giving them right now. 25% of the way through the season. So those are pretty much my thoughts. Let me know if I haven't hit on anything. Uh, I mean, the defense, I want to hit on that too. That's been great. I know Bob Melvin, That they're big on fundamentals, obviously. Um, I mean, when you have Manny and Cronenworth in the infield and Hassan Kim, that definitely helps. Osmer still is irritating a little bit in terms of how he plays first base and how he receives balls at first base, but he came up with a big pick in that San Francisco series, so I do want to give credit to him. I think it's been a little better than last year, but he, he still is had some of those plays, you know, where he's not going towards the ball, he's going into the base paths, stuff, dumb stuff like that. Um, but the defense, what, they went like a club record or a major league record or whatever it was. Forget how many games, but they started off the season a specific amount of games without an error. The errorless streak, maybe it was 17, something like that. Um, so the defense has been good too. The defense is probably an A- minus too. All right, I'm just going to go through the comments here. See what grades you would give the Padres a quarter of the way through the season. Michael says a B plus. In February, he thought that they'd be at the they'd be bottom feeding like the Diamondbacks and Rockies without Fernando. So, I assume that you were you're talking about in February like right after the injury when we were all down and we were all like Oh, we're doomed. Not We were like reacting emotionally, right? Kind of like, oh, crap. Fernando's out. Uh-oh. Profar's in left field. We didn't upgrade that. Um, to be honest, I don't know if I said on the show, on this podcast, on this YouTube show, I don't know if I put out like how many games I thought that they would win a quarter of the way through the season. I probably didn't. But... My guess would be it would probably be somewhere. I'm just trying to think like realistically before the season. I probably said somewhere around the 23 win range, somewhere around there, around 500, because I thought Manny was going to play well. But I was probably thinking that Haas was going to have a hot April and that Cronenworth would be the same guy that he was last year. But that hasn't happened. But they got 
I wasn't thinking that Profar was going to produce that much. So they kind of balanced each other out, right? Cronenworth not playing that great, but Profar playing better. And I think they picked up those extra wins thanks to Taylor Rodgers and thanks to Joe Musgrove in the rest of the rotation, keeping the team in games, right? And winning some games that last year, if Chris Paddock was on the mound or if Ryan Weathers was on the mound, maybe they don't win, especially if Jake Arrieta is on the mound with his fake hamstring, and I'm going to go play golf after I got a hamstring injury, they wouldn't have, they would not be at 27 wins right now, I'll tell you that. So that's probably what I would have said before the season, the first 41 games in. But they've exceeded that, and it's credit to them. Definitely credit to them. All right, continuing to go through these comments here. Irie says, A minus. I agree, obviously. John says he thinks the Padres have an inflated record. Some wins felt more of the other team dropping the game more than getting a convincing win. They said they still get an A from that said they still get an A from me. So okay, uh, I can see where you get where you're getting that. Um, I think that also, like I kind of just mentioned, while there are games where the other team may have dropped it. The, there are games that the Padres came back and fought back and won those games, right? You think that Dodger game, uh, the Austin Nola walk-off, right? That comes to mind for me. Um, I know they didn't come back in this game, but Snell being scratched. You have Chris Matt in there that first weekend in Arizona, and they end up blowing him out. The Jorge Alfaro Grand Slam game, right? Or, the yeah, the walk-off on Mother's Day. There's that one. Um, the Braves game last, what was that, last Sunday, where Chris Matt pitched the 10th and the 11th, right? Um, where the Braves came back, tied it, and then the Padres, here I go with the B word, but battled back and ended up winning that game. So there's other games that are probably out there that are not coming to mind, but I think it's still a balance of, yeah, okay, did some teams give them games, but there's also where the Padres battled back, and took other games, right? But I get the point, and I agree with putting the first 41 games, 25% of the season, in that A category. All right, let's see here. I agree pretty much with this point, Gil. Yeah, Taylor Rodgers was a complete steal. Depending on if we re-sign Shamanaya, that would could be a real steal as well. The prospect included in the Manaya trade is dealing in low A. Yeah. Um, I think Manaya, I wouldn't like bank on him coming back. I, 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 I'm still confident that Musgrove will come back. I hope that doesn't bite me in the butt later. But the Taylor Rogers deal, regardless of if he comes back or not, that's a steal. Because you got to remember, you get Brent Rooker back in the deal as well, and I think he could impact the team at some point with the power that he has. He's just been on the I.L. a little bit this year. Um, and I think, to be honest, they bring up Mazzara before Rooker, and they still haven't brought up Mazzara yet. And Nomar has reached base in every game in El Paso so far this season. Um, but, yeah, I agree with that point, Gil. Irie says, if Musgrove wins Cy Young, he might be out of the Padres' reach. Really hope we keep him. I really hope we keep him, and I understand where you're coming from there, but he won't be out of their reach if they just sign him to an extension before the season's over. 
That's their hometown discount, right? You hear people say, oh, maybe he'll get the home, maybe he'll agree to a hometown discount. It's not going to be a huge hometown discount. The Padres are going to have to give him $20 million a year at least if he continues pitching like this. It's not going to be like he'll accept $18 million a year and not go to free agency when he knows that other teams will offer him like $24 million a year. That's not happening. But their hometown discount is the benefit that they're the only team that can, can, that can negotiate with him on a contract right now. That is their discount, right? That's their benefit, their, their coupon, if you want to say that, right? You're not, he might accept a little bit, um, but I don't, I don't think he's going to accept a lot. So he might be out of the reach if he goes and wins Cy Young and they don't extend or, you know, sign him to an extension. Well, I'll rephrase it like this. Like, he's not going to be out of their reach. They can afford him. But do they want to go over the luxury tax to pay for him? Are they okay with only, with maybe overpaying for him in free agency if they don't get an extension done? And then, therefore, they lose Nick Martinez if he continues to have a good year. They lose Manaya, and then they lose Clevenger. And now you have a rotation next year of Snell, Darvish, Gores, um, and Musgrove, and then you don't know who that fifth starter is, right? More home, maybe. Are they willing to do that? I think the answer should be yes, but I think that's just a question that they're probably going to be asking themselves. That's another good point, Irie, about the Taylor Rodgers deal. Yeah, six over $6 million uh, is what the Twins gave to the Padres to cover this Taylor Rogers contract. So they're they're not really paying him anything. It still goes towards the luxury tax. So I'll, I want to make that clear. But in terms of their actual money, it's like a little over a million, I think, that they're actually paying Taylor Rogers. Irie says, Manny MVP or we write it. Right now, yeah. But it's a long season. Ari asked, what leadoff guys out there might be available at the deadline besides Fernando? Rather see him batting two or three. Um, I mean, the, the deadline's August like 2nd. I think we're still a long ways away from even talking about that teams can literally fall out of the playoffs by from now till then or teams like the Red Sox who weren't off to a great start they're getting hot and maybe they're firmly in a postseason spot by late July right it's just too early to talk about that but I think personally they're going to bat Fernando leadoff because you could put Cronauer second balance out the righties you put Machado third Haas fourth then you go down the line from there you can go Myers if you want to go fifth. You go down the line from there. Um, I understand your point about two or three, but they don't have another leadoff hitter. They don't have a leadoff hitter that's better than Fernando. Right? Uh, that's just my thoughts on that. So I would still bat him leadoff, personally, when he comes back. Two or three, stand that because maybe there's a guy in front of him. But I think he's most comfortable in the leadoff spot, too just based on the stats and stuff. 
Michael says, I know that John and Jim asked predictions for the Padres' total wins this season. I said 90 wins this year. Yeah, I asked them too. I think my over-under was like 89.5 or 88.5 or whatever. Um, I think I said over. I think I have it somewhere too. Hang on one second. I can actually look at that. Here it is. Pulling it up. Yeah, so John said under 89.5. Jim said under as well when I talked to them on the show uh, before the season started. I said over. So I guess I was the optimist in it. So right now, it seems like I'm right. But again, it's a long season. They're on pay- The Potters are on pace for over 100 wins. So they'd easily get past or get over that 90-win total. But uh, it's a long season, so I don't want to get my hopes up too much because <clears throat> we saw what happened last year, right? I think that this year's different. I, I said that on GaslampBall.com in that piece that I wrote this morning that the rotation is different from last year. It's not Ryan Weathers and Paddock starting 4-5, right? It's Clev and Snell when they're healthy, or it's Gore and Snell, right? Or Martinez, you know? I'm just more confident in that. Musgrove's getting better. Darvish is healthy, right? Manaya is in the rotation. It just feels different to me than last year in terms of, like, health. But it's too early to say, lock it in over 90 wins because a lot of things can happen. Irie says, I think the mix of old school and new school strategies is the way the way to go, I think is what you're saying there, Irie. Uh, I just don't know about having a power hitter leading off. I wonder what Bob Melvin thinks. I mean, yeah, I understand the point, but like when Bob Melvin was with Oakland, he had a pretty good hitter batting leadoff, right? Mark Canna, who's now with the Mets. I think that he's going to put Fernando in the spot wherever he is comfortable most, right? He seems like a real player manager. And he's going to listen to his players. And he'll feel it out. And I'm confident in that. And you mentioned the old school and the new school strategies. I totally agree. I, I think that's why it was smart. You know, the coaching staff, right? The coaching staff that Bomel put together and that AJ put together with Ruben Niebla, he still uses analytics, you know. But I think that Bomel has a feel as the manager, right? Him and Christensen with the game planning. They have Ryan Flaherty, a former player, former teammate of Manny's, who's still on the staff, right? For Michael Bordaro, that new school hitting coach who succeeded with the Giants, right? Um, and he, I think he was at Michigan before then. Like, they're combining the new school mentality, the new school analytics and all that with veteran guys that like using feel. And so I definitely agree with that point. And I think that's why this coaching staff is definitely having a good impression on the team. Letting the players do what they want in the clubhouse, you know, letting that place be theirs. You know, and talking to guys, not just in the office, but talking to guys on the field. That little sort of stuff. 
another thing, right? Having the polar, the yeah, Michael, you make the good point. Having the Polaroid in the dugout, right? That sort of stuff, just letting them be them uh, makes guys more comfortable. And believing in them, how Bomel did with Hosmer at the beginning of the season. And then Brisk, JC, I mean, this is going into a different topic, not just like the, the grading the first quarter mark. Right? We've kind of gone past that, but um, saying Clev being on the IL is the exact reason we should not trade for our starters. I agree. That's, my, that's been my stance on it for weeks. Whenever that question's come up, yeah, it, don't do that. It's too early. We saw it with last year how the rotation just crumbled. You can't have that happen again. And they have the depth right now to give Clevenger. I don't really feel like it's something to worry about too much with Clev. I think they're just doing it, giving some break to give a start off for Clev, you know, give him a break because they have Gore and Martinez who can go start right now that are healthy. The rest of the rotation's healthy. You know, just giving guys some time off, I think it's a smart thing to do. Because they have the depth. It would be one thing if they had five starters and now you're calling up Ryan Weathers or Reese Kinnear. But that's not what's happening. All right. Any more questions? Any more questions here in the chat? Or else uh, I think this will do it. Let me know any more questions. I'll stay here for a little bit more. A couple more moments. Check Twitter to see if uh, there's any more updates on anything. Nothing else, nothing else. I appreciate, I appreciate that comment, Brisk. All right, I think that's going to do it then. This has been episode 169 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show brought to you by Gaglion Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. I am Ben Fadden, your host. I'll be back for the pregame show today, the postgame reaction, all that. Um, again, my grade one quarter of the way through the Padres season so far this year. I'm giving it an A-. minus. I'm really pleased with where this Padre team is at. All right, everyone. Have a good one. See ya.